Welcome to Christ Church, where our vision is to change the world by transforming people of all races and cultures into passionate followers of Jesus Christ. Now let's join Reverend Brian Attenson as he presents today's message. Well, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for our time together in your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we have put our priorities in order that we are here giving you praise this first Sunday of 2018. And, Lord, we ask that while we are here, that, Father, that you would cause your glory to be revealed in our hearts, that your word would open up to us and we would be transformed as a result of your word. And for this we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our lives are marked by moments in time. We celebrate the birth of a child with a birthday. Each year we remain on the earth. It's marked with a stamp in time as we celebrate another year. Children mark time in school, passing from one grade to the next. One diploma to the next. One degree to the next are all landmarks in time. Each year we come to a conclusion of one year, the beginning of another year, or as we, as we mark our time here on the earth. Relationships are marked with time, first dates, first kisses, first fight, and years pass going from marriage to anniversary after anniversary, all moments in time. Each year, a landmark of another period of time. Questions like, how long have you worked here? How long have you lived here? How long have you been healed from cancer? Are all reflections of time. Linda Ellis wrote a beautiful poem some years ago called The Dash. She said, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that the first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel. and Be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash may only last a little while. So when the eulogy is being read, whether our life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about you and how you spent your dash? Time is so important. 
In fact, time is the one commodity that cannot be replenished. Second after second, minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, year after year, are all moments of time that we could never get back again. In fact, the wisest man who ever lived had something to say about this important aspect of time. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 8. He said, there is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Life is time and time is life. When I was a young man learning how to preach, serving in prison ministry, I met a man who would often tell the young men there, don't waste your time while you're housed at this institution. When you waste your time, you are wasting your life. Because life is time, and time is life. One man said it this way, life is short, and the older you get, the more you feel it. Hmm. My knees tell me life is short all the time. Life is short, and the older you get, the more you feel it. Indeed, the shorter it is, people lose their capacity to walk, run, travel, think, and experience life. I realize how important it is to use the time that I have. Time is the one gift that we've all been given, rich or poor, learned or ignorant, Black or white, we have all been given 24 hours in a day. Some have been given longer periods of time upon the earth than others, but as long as you are alive, you have been given the same amount of hours a day than the person sitting next to you. You've been given the same amount of hours per day as Warren Buffett and uh, all the other people in our culture that we think somehow have their lives together. You have as much time as the person sitting next to you even though tomorrow is not promised. And while time is so important, what you do at that time is even more equally important. Join me in your Bibles this morning as I share with you a message that I've entitled, It's Time. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. I want you to look at somebody and say, it's time. It's time. It's time. For most each morning, you wake up to the sound of an alarm clock. And what that alarm clock is saying to you at that moment where it it announces itself is that it's time. And my hope that today's message will be like the sound of an alarm clock to you for you to recognize that it's time because time is precious and time is life. And when you waste your time, you waste your life. And if you waste your life, you're wasting your time. We've all been given a measure of time on the earth, some longer, some shorter. 
But God is interested on how you use that time. James chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Come now, you who say tomorrow or today we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. What a powerful phrase. You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. One of the hardest things that I do as a pastor is not preach on a Sunday morning. It's maybe one of the easier things that I do as a pastor. One of the hardest things that I do as a pastor is to stand before family and friends and loved ones and coworkers and give a eulogy of a person and, and speak about their life. One of the hardest jobs that I have is to do that. Whether Christian or non-believer, it doesn't matter because it's difficult because you're trying to sum up a person's life within 30 minutes or 35 minutes or whatever time uh, frame that you're given. You're, 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 you're building a case about this person, and my friend, it's, it's so challenging. James says that, that, that though planning is important and though it is necessary and though we have to look to the future and we should look at what it means to be alive for the next 10 or 20 or 30 years, what it looks like to reach retirement, what it looks like to have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and what it looks like to give an inheritance to our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. The truth is no one knows what tomorrow holds. No one knows what the next five minutes hold in our lives. James begins to put things in a clear perspective for us. We can plan, but ultimately we should uh, trust in God who works in and through us to bring about his plan on the earth. After all, time is God's idea and only necessary as he interacts and reveals himself to his creation. The Bible tells us that God is the beginning and end, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. He doesn't have to operate within the realm of time, but time is his idea. Prior to the, him speaking the world into existence, time just ran uh, continuously. Uh, there was no beginning or end to God. But when he creates us and when he writes the word, he does so in a fashion that, that starts with beginnings and ends with finishes. It, it, it starts with something that is born and something that dies. It starts with something that is created and then it ends at a point where that creation no longer exists. God does this for our own ability and for our own reasoning. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it says, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. God doesn't function on our timetable. I mean, what's 30 years, 50 years, 80 years, 100 years in light of all of eternity with God? God doesn't manifest himself in a way internally that operates within our own time frame. But the truth is, God establishes time for us. One year is as a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. A preacher went into his church and was praying to God. While he was praying, he asked God, how long is 10 million years to you, God? God replied, one second. 
The next day, the preacher asked God again, God, how much is $10 million to you? God replied, a penny. Then finally, the next day, the preacher asked God, God, can I have one of your pennies? And God replied, son, just wait a second. One year, as is a thousand years before God, and a thousand years like one day. He is the beginning, and he is the end. And while there is no necessity for God to operate within the realm of time, he establishes one for his creation so that we can function in divine order. The first element of divine order is time. The Bible begins with this concept as God creates the world as we know it. Day one, light and darkness. Day two, the separation of the heavens and the earth. Day three, the seas and the dry land and so on and so on. God operates within the realm of time for our own benefit. He created it. And how we use that time or manage that time or steward that time for God is important. It's valuable. It demonstrates something to God about our priorities, how we use our time. Because time is precious. Time is valuable. When you waste your time, you waste your life. When you waste your life, you're wasting your time. And when you realize the, 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 the brevity of life, when you realize how valuable time is, and you realize how each moment is important and, and establishes a sense of values and guidelines for your life, you'll begin to glorify even more. You'll begin to glorify God even more. How you use your time, manage your time, or store your time demonstrates your values. Use of time demonstrates one priorities, one's priorities or lack thereof. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. One translation says it this way, redeem the time. Not just make the most of your time, but redeem it. Buy it back. That's what the word redeem or redemption means. It means to be bought back once again. When I was a sinner, when I was far from God, I managed my time a certain way. But now I'm a follower of Christ and my priorities have changed. My view has changed. My importance and values have changed. And as a result of that, the way that I manage my time has to change. It has to change because God is the creator of time, and I don't realize and know how much time I really have on the earth. I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and they were uh, sharing with me, uh, uh, you know, how they were going to put some money into the lottery. I'm going to play the lottery, you know, Mega Millions, Powerball. And, uh, and, and I looked at him, and I said, well, if you had a crystal ball, you could pick the numbers, and then you would win. And I'd want you to tithe to the church. But we don't have a crystal ball. None of us know the day, the time, the hour in which will be our last breath. None of us knows that. But thank God that he is faithful, and he says that when we honor him and honor our families, that we will live long and prosperous lives before him. Can somebody say amen? He says, therefore, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, redeeming your time because the days are evil. 
God wants us to redeem the time, to be careful about the time that we use and the priorities that we set. And unfortunately, what will happen is we will enter into 2018 the same way that we entered into 2017 and 2016 and 2015 and 2014 and 2013 and 2012. The same way if we don't adjust certain things in our lives and cause our priorities to come to the forefront and use our time properly for the kingdom of God. You will always find time to do the things that are most important to you. Oh, I don't have time to pray. You don't pray because it's not important to you. Having a conversation with the creator of the universe is somehow not important. Getting the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us somehow is not important. You will always find time for the things that are important as if in the same way you will always find the money to buy the things that are important to you. Even if it means going into debt, 19, 21% interest for something that doesn't even last forever. You'll find time, you'll find money for things that are important in your life. Reading the word of God. I don't have time to read the word. I'm busy. I'm busy. I get it. We're all busy. We all got stuff going on. But remember, we have to redeem the time back. We have to buy the time back. God wants us to use our time wisely. And what is the greatest investment that you can use of your time? It is becoming more godly, more Christ-like, more holy, and looking more like Jesus each and every day. So that way when you meet him and he meets you, he's familiar with who you are. I want God to be so familiar with me because I spent time in his word and in prayer. He's like, oh, yeah, there's Brian. Hey, man, what, what you doing? Kind of like the Bible says, Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more. No more. It gives no other explanation. But Enoch walked with God, and then all of a sudden, he was gone. No more. He, he was literally translated. Beat me up, Scotty. He was literally translated from this earth into heaven, into the presence of God instantaneously because God just loved his fellowship so much. God looked at Enoch and said, man, that's my pal, Enoch. What's up, E? It's like, E, what, 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 what's going on, E? He's like, man, I just want to be with you, God. And God's like, eat me. I just want to be with you too, man. Why, why can't we just make this arrangement? I mean, I, I like the fact that you're praying and fasting and reading your word and priorities are in order. But, man, I just, I, I don't want you to step out of that. I need you up here with me, E. And I'm sure E was like, I, I'm ready, God. I'm ready. And the Bible says one day he was just walking along and all of a sudden he was there and then he was gone. He was translated from this life to the next. Just like Elijah. The whirlwind came down. God just loved being with Elijah, and Elijah just loved being with God. And next thing you know, God just picked him up and brought him home. Just brought him home. It was just such a natural reaction that God and Elijah just wanted to be in fellowship with one another. We have to redeem the time. We have to buy back the time because we don't know what tomorrow will hold. We don't know how long we have. We don't know what's going to happen in our lives when we, when we take our next breath, when we're this leaving this afternoon. We, just, we have no idea. This, this past Thursday during the, the, the snowstorm, I was coming home. I was on the, 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 the turnpike, and uh, you, know, you know how people drive on the turnpike? I mean, the only, the only road that they drive worse on is the parkway, you know? I don't want to talk about you, but if you drive the parkway, man, you need a lot of prayer. I mean, 
I was, I was driving on a turnpike, and, and there was a tractor trailer in front of me. I was driving in the truck lanes, and I was just cruising along, trying to get home after work and, and just driving along. And, and, and then I, I go to the left to try to pass this tractor trailer, and all of a sudden he starts drifting over to the left. And he pushes me into this little bit of snow. And I, 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 I gently tap the brakes, right, because you don't want to hit the brakes in the snow. You go skidding and, and, and spinning. And so I got back behind him, and I was like, well, that wasn't a good move. And, uh, and I got behind him for a while, and then the road started to open up. Things started to clear up a little bit. And I was like, all right, I'm going to pass this guy on the right-hand side. So I put my blinker on. I go to the right-hand side. I'm moving along. I'm going up. I'm alongside of him. Now he starts drifting to the right. And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus. Because I was up near the cab of his 18-wheeler. And as he's starting to drift, I'm starting to drift to the right a little bit too because I need a little bit of separation. You know what I'm talking about? We, got, we, we can't kiss. And, uh, and so, I, so, so I drifted to the right. Come on, brothers. You know what I'm talking about. I, I drifted to the right a little bit, right? Sometimes you need a little space. And uh, all right, let me stay on track. And... Uh, and then he started coming to the right. And I'm like, I'm going to the right. And then there's a large snowbank on my right. And next thing you know, he puts his turn signal on and he just comes. Now I'm looking out the driver's window. He's coming from the middle lane into the right lane. I'm like this. And the truck, and, and I can see the truck coming this way. It got within an inch of me. Where, where, the, where the big tires, not the front tires, but the tires in the back of the tractor are right in my line of sight. I mean, I know it's going to get bad, right? I know it's going to get bad. So I, I've got no place to go. If I hit my brakes, maybe I'll spin out, get trapped up underneath the trailer of his truck. I don't want that, you know? And so I, so, so I, I dump it to the right. And when I dump it to the right, there's a, there's a mound of snow that's there. And there's, a, there's an acceleration ramp coming this way and the right lane going this way. And you can tell that they had plowed there before, but they hadn't plowed there in a while. But there was some snow there that separated the two. I had nowhere to go. I dump it to the right. I go smack right into the snow pile. The truck that I, the, the Jeep that I have starts fishtailing all the way around. All of a sudden, the front wheels, because I'm in four-wheel drive, the front wheels grab a hold of the pavement. And next thing you know, I start to catch some traction and as I'm catching traction I start to wheel it around and and and, and the truck's spinning like this and spinning like that but it caps it grabs a hold of the ground and then I I start driving again now I, I got two passengers with me this day and the one guy from the back seat says to me he's like whoa he said I know you're a man of the cloth there must be angels around this truck now the guy's not a savior he's not a believer He said, he said, I know you're a man of cloth. There must be angels around this truck. I said, you have no idea how many angels are around me every day that I live. God is protecting me and watching over me. And today you are the beneficiary of God's blessing on my life. He said, whew. Before we got back on that road, we kept going. I, I didn't say much, but my knees were shaking a little bit, you know. You got to act tough sometimes, and then, you know, you go in the back, and you let your knees shake a little bit. And then after you get yourself together, you just come back out and say, yep, I, I planned it that way all the time. You know the old story, never let them see you sweat. Whew, I was sweating right there. 
But I knew that God had his angels around me, and I knew that God has a purpose for my life, and I don't know how long that will last. I don't know what's going to happen between one moment to the next, but I do know God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll never abandon you. I'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Because somebody shout hallelujah. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 9. Numbers chapter 9. I want to talk to you about this thing called time. Time, it's time, it's time, it's time. It's time. It's time because we don't know how much time we have. And so it's got to be time right now because tomorrow's not promised. It has to be time now because in five minutes is not promised. The only thing that's promised right now is that there's, there's, there's breath in my lungs and, and, and I'm in my right mind. That's the only thing that's promised to me right now. But I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what the doctor will say. I don't know what the tractor trailer will run me off of the road. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know it's time right now. That's why the Bible says today is the acceptable day of salvation. And if you're here this morning and don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I have to tell you something. It's time. It's time. The Bible says that God is slow with his wrath because he desires that none should perish. You're alive here today. You're at church today in your right mind because God keeps sending out the, the, the invitation to you. Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, says the Lord. Numbers chapter 9, verses 15 through 22. I want to talk to you a little bit about the tabernacle this morning. The tabernacle. The tabernacle was a place where God met men, and men met God. When we first look at the life of Moses, we see how Moses was called by God to go up Mount Sinai and get the Ten Commandments. God was present. But God's desire has always been to dwell with men. God's desire was always to be here with us and to dwell with us and to commune with us and, and let us see his presence and feel his presence and his glory. And so as God begins to speak to Moses, he gives him instructions. And he says, Moses, I want to dwell with men and I want you to establish, I want you to establish a tabernacle. The tabernacle was a mobile uh, uh, facility that housed the glory of God. It was comprised of three areas. You had the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the tablets of Moses was, where the showbread was. And then you had the, the so you had the Holy of Holies there. Then, then you had the outer court, and then you had the, the, the furthest court. So there were three distinct areas in this facility. It was larger than, than this room by itself. It, it, was, it, it was exact. God gave Moses specific instructions instructions about how far each one of the outer posts was supposed to be, how deep those posts were supposed to go into the ground, what kind of cloth was supposed to be uh, surrounding the tabernacle. Then God gave Moses specific instructions about how to set up the inner court, the outer court, the holy of holies, and what furniture was supposed to go where. And then uh, the inner place, the holy of holies, was like a whole nother room, and it had to be designed specifically with certain curtains up in certain places and certain hides of animals to cover certain parts of it and then other hides of animals and then other materials. And so this was a big operation to get this tabernacle set up. 
You think, man, that would be great. We'll just set it up and we'll be camped there for forever. And then, and then you know what? We're, we'll just wait and one day we'll build a permanent house for God. Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. Now on the day that the tabernacle was erected, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, and in the evening it was like the appearance of fire over the tabernacle until morning. So it was continuously. The cloud would cover it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Verse 17. Whenever the cloud was lifted from the tent, Say that word with me, whenever. Whenever the cloud was lifted from over the tent, afterward, the sons of Israel would then set out. And in the place where the clouds settled down, there the sons of Israel would camp. At the command of the Lord, the sons of Israel would set out, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. Man, I love that, verse 18. At the command of the Lord, the sons of Israel would set out, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud settled over the tabernacle, they remained camp. Even when the cloud lingered over the tabernacle for many days, the son of Israel would keep the Lord's charge and not set out. If sometimes the cloud remained a few days over the tabernacle, according to the command of the Lord, they remained camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. Verse 21, if sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, when the cloud was lifted in the morning, they would move out. Or if it remained in the daytime and at night, whenever the cloud was lifted, they would set out. Verse 22, whether it was two days or a month or a year that the cloud lingered over the tabernacle, staying above it, the sons of Israel remained camped and did not set out. But when it was lifted, they set out. When it was lifted, they set out. A cloud by day, fire by night. When the cloud would lift, the children of Israel received their eviction notice from God. That's really what it was. They would set up this facility, this encampment, the tabernacle. I can only imagine how many hundreds of people that it took in order to erect this exactly the way God told them to erect it. I can only imagine the hundreds of people that it took and the amount of time for them to put up the rails, put up the posts, put up the curtains, put up the, the panels, put up the, the hides of the animals and all the things that were necessary for them to set the, the Ark of the Covenant and the showbread and all the things that were necessary to put it in exactly the right position. It needed to be exactly off of the wall so many feet and in the wall so many feet. Everything was to an exact detail with God. Imagine all the work that was necessary to do that. The cloud moves. We get there. We set it up. Come on, guys, let's get this thing set up. Let's go. And then by the time it's done, the cloud moves again. Now, what do you have to do when the cloud moves? You got to break it all back down again. Got to make sure nothing breaks. Everything's put in its order. And then you travel again. And it said if it was there for a night, a week, a month, a year, it didn't matter. The children of Israel had their specific instructions that when the cloud lifted, it was time to move. 
and there was a cloud by day. And if God wanted to get their attention at night, the fire would move. And they would say, okay, guys, it's time. It's time. It's time. We've been camped here long enough. It's time for us to move to another place. My friend, this morning, there is a prophetic word for this house that we have been camped here long enough. It's time to move. It was no easy task to move millions of people all at once. It was no easy task to break down the the tabernacle and set it back up again, especially when you didn't know how long you were going to be there. The dimensions precise, the layout precise, the order of construction precise, down to the length, width, height, placement of objects, orders of skins and cloth, and how they would be laid upon one another. They had no idea how long it would take. But the cloud would move. The cloud would move. If God didn't move the cloud, the people would have never left. When Elijah was camped out at the ravine, if the river hadn't dried up and the ravens stopped feeding him, he would have died there. The people would have, would have remained there. They, they would have remained out in the desert for however many years as necessary. They would have set it up. They would have built. They would have begun to trade and begin to have commerce in their midst. And then all of a sudden, they would eventually die in that same place. But God said, if I don't move the cloud, you'll never get to your destiny. But don't move it. But don't move it. You'll eventually die in that place. And so what God did, God got them used to and comfortable with change. Most people don't like change. Most people would rather find a comfortable spot. But life is too short and too sacred to sit on the sideline. There's a word that mountaineers use called the plateau. The plateau. And one way that word is used on a very flat plain, but in mountaineering, in mountaineering, they use it to find a, a level spot. And so when mountaineers are climbing a mountain, they, and perhaps they're running out of daylight, they're running out of time, they're running out of energy, what they try to do is find a flat spot in order to rest. It's called the plateau. I don't know if you've ever tried to lay in a bed that wasn't level, but you continually roll in one direction. Stand on uneven ground. It gets uncomfortable after a while. And so the mountaineers, what they'll do is they'll try to find the most level spot that they can on that mountain and set up a camp there so that way they can can rest because they need a level area. It's called the plateau. And you and I, we are built in such a way that we as well look for the plateaus in our lives. Flat places that we can stay and that we can rest and be very comfortable with. Because most people don't like change. And so we find the plateau. And so when a person says, I've plateaued in my career, I've plateaued in my education, I've plateaued in my personal development, I've plateaued in my relationships, what they're basically saying is I've come to a place where I am comfortable and I have stopped, and if something dramatic doesn't happen, you will die there because you've plateaued. You've plateaued. Most people don't like change. They'd rather find a comfortable spot, but life is too short and too sacred to sit on the sideline. Ordinary people think merely of spending time. Great people think of using it. 
Don't spend it. Use it. Use it wisely. If you have been plateaued and you have found a comfortable spot in your relationship with God, this morning I want to say to you, the cloud is moving. The cloud is moving. The cloud is moving. It's time to to fold up our tent. It's time for us as a church to gather our resources together and realize that the Holy Spirit is lifting in certain areas of our lives and it's going to require us, as my wife said last week, to dig deeper. To dig deeper, to go further than we've ever gone before. I feel like I'm talking about Star Trek. But listen, we've got to go further than we've ever gone before. We've got to explore territories that have never been explored. Explore those in the word. We start there saying, God, reveal more of your word to me as I reveal more of my heart to you. God, it's been comfortable, but you never grow in comfortability. It's good to be comfortable. It's good to be, to be, to be well-fed and nourished. It's good to be in good health. It's good, but you never grow during times of plateau. You always grow in times of climbing, in times of challenges, in times of difficulty. And if you've been plateaued, if you look back over the last year, two years, three years, five years, and say, I haven't really grown that much, maybe you've come to a comfortable place in your life, and now you're just waiting until God calls you home. But it doesn't matter if you're 100, uh, 50, or 10. As long as you have breath, God has a plan for your life. He's got a destiny for your life. If we, the, Jesus said we have to work while it's still day because the night comes when no man can work. God has a plan for you. How do I know that? Because you're still breathing. That's how I know that God still has a work for you to do. That's how I know that God still has a plan for your life. That's how I know that God isn't finished with you yet because you're still breathing. When you've drawn your last breath and crossed over from this world to the next and go through the great cloud of witnesses and you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the king, then and it is only then that you can say, God, I have finished my course. I have run my race, like Paul said, and laid up for me in heaven as a crown that is imperishable. Can somebody shout amen? God has a plan for us. God has a plan for this worship team. God has a plan for the singers and the musicians. God has a plan for the Bible studies in this church. God has a plan for the ushers and the greeters. God has a plan for the children's church and the curriculums that they're writing and teaching. God has a plan for the movement. God has a plan for Christ's culture. God has a plan for us to elevate our lives of prayer and fasting and in the word. God has a plan for us. God's not done with us yet. He's not finished. He's not finished. Time is at hand. Time is at hand. Look at somebody and tell them it's time. Look at somebody else and tell them it's time. We've got to move from this place. How do you know that the clouds lifted over your life? Because what was once easy now becomes hard. What was once easy now becomes hard. The the cloud has lifted. And you keep going back to a dry well, trying to wring out every bit of anointing that used to be there. But God is a God of movement. God is a God of time. God is a God of progression. And when we progress from one place to the next, we honor God because we say, God, as the cloud is moving, I'm moving with you. I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to take. But I've got to trust the cloud. Trust the cloud. I'm sure there were a lot of people when they would say the cloud moved, we ought to go. They came to the leadership and said, we ought to stay right here. 
You know, it's a lot of work, Moses, Joshua, a lot of work. Take all that tabernacle stuff down, fold up all those hides and all the, the, the cloths and all the, the, the materials and uh, take out all the posts again. It's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Are you sure? Are you sure? You see, that's why God took it out of Moses' hands. Because he knew that Moses, being human, could have been manipulated, could have second-guessed his own judgment. But God said, listen, this is beyond you, Moses. When my cloud moves, you're going to know. You're going to know. And I'm sure a lot of people said, yeah, the cloud moved, but, man, it'll come back. It'll come back. We'll come back this way again. The cloud's going to move. It's bound to come back. Let's just wait a day or two. And Moses said, no, guys, we can't. We know that God is moving on, and we've got to move with him. We've got to be in step with him, lockstep with him. We've got to be right alongside of him. So that way, when he moves to the right, we do a song like that, right? Move to the right, we move to the right. When we move to the left, we move to the left. We've got to be so in lockstep with the Holy Spirit that we've got to sense as a people that the timing of God is now and that we've got to be obedient to that timing and begin to march forward, taking back the kingdom of the devil and what he stole from God. It's not enough just to have a beautiful building and wonderful worship and wonderful people to fellowship with. My friend, outside of those doors are people that are dying and they're going to hell and they're being separated from God for eternity. God has an eternal call of salvation. God has a purpose and plan for us. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan for us as a church. And it's going to start when we realize that it's time to put away childish things. That's what I like about Paul. He said, when I was a child, I, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. I acted like a child. He said, but now I'm grown up. And I've got to put away those things that were childish. And I've got to go ahead and run my race that's set before me. It's time. Mother Teresa said this, yesterday's gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today. So let us begin. We can't go back and fix yesterday. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. All we have right now is today. He says, let's start. Let's begin. Let's let the old doors close. Let's let the Holy Spirit open up some new doors. So that we can, we can step into some new territories. God has done great things for all of us. But it's a new year and it's a time for a fresh anointing. It's a new year and it's a time for a fresh perspective. It's a new year and it's time for a fresh vision. It's a new year and it's time for fresh strength. The cloud is leading us by day and a pillar of fire by night. My friend, it's time. Let's pray. It's time. I want to talk to those of you here this morning that have plateaued. You've found a, a comfortable spot, and you've been there a long time. You've been there a long time in that comfortable spot. You've been there in your commitment to God. You've been there a long time. It's been a place of comfort. It's been a place of rest. But in your spirit, you've been restless knowing that God has something else for you. You, you know in your spirit that, that you've wrung every drop of anointing out of that season in your life. You know in your heart you've wrung every drop of perspective and power out of that season of your life. But there's a new season that's upon us, my friend. 
Prophetically, I declare that that new season is a season of power and growth. Power and growth over us individually and corporately. New season of power and growth. And if you're here today and you've plateaued and you said, I've been in a comfortable spot, but I'm ready for God to grow me because the cloud has moved. I want you, while you're sitting there, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to just lift your hand up right where you are. God bless you. I see your hand and your hand and your hand, sir. I see your hand, your hand. I see your hand as well. Come on, lift your hand up nice and high. We've all been there. We're all there at time. Another hand, another hand, another hand, another hand, another hand. You see, a message like this is one that, that rallies our hearts together to recognize that we don't have forever to get this thing together. Got to start now. Got to start now. Got to begin now. So, Father, I pray for those that are here today that, Lord, they have plateaued. They've gotten to a comfortable place in their spirituality. They have gotten to a comfortable place in their walk with you. And I pray that today, God, that your cloud would lead your people to another place, a greater place of commitment, a greater place of depth, a greater level of perspective and strength in their lives like never before. Father, we thank you that every day and every breath that we have is a gift from you. And today, God, we ask that you would infuse Use our hearts with a new level of strength, power, and commitment that we would become all that you've called us to become. And we would have everything that you have called us to have. And, Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for this. We thank you for this. We thank you for this, Lord. For you are our king. You are our Lord. God, forgive us for taking time out of perspective. Forgive us, God, for not valuing our time and the gift of time that you've placed in our lives. Lord, we can't go back and, and change yesterday. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Lord, we only have today. Lord, we thank you that it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time in Jesus' name. I want to ask if you would please stand and give three people around you a high five and tell them it's time. The cloud has moved. Come on, give three people a high five and tell them it's time. The cloud has moved. It's time. It's time. The cloud has moved. It's time. The cloud has moved. Now listen, I'm going to pray. God just dropped something in my heart. I want to pray for, for married couples that you would say, honestly, that your relationship has plateaued. Your relationship has plateaued. Married couples only. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you. That you know that God wants to take that relationship to a new level. A new place, a new level, a new place. Father, I pray right now for the married couples that are holding hands, holding arms. God, I pray that this year that there will be a release of your anointing and power over their family, over their relationship, over their, their household in Jesus' name. That, God, that you would cause them to join together like never before. 
in the reading of your word, in prayer and in fasting, a double anointing upon every married couple in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, I want to pray for every person who is not married in this place. And you say, you know what? My relationship with God has plateaued. And if that's you, I want you to lift your hands up right where you're at. You're not married, but you today you want to make a fresh commitment to God, and you're ready to move from where you've been to where you're going. Father, I pray today for every person in this place today whose hand is raised right now, God, a double portion of your anointing, a triple portion of your anointing, a quadruple portion of your anointing, God, upon their lives, that, Father, that they would be able to run the race with strength and power like never before. We bind the hand of the enemy in Jesus' name, and we say, no, you cannot have them. Today, the God's anointing has set them apart for your glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a praise. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope the word of God encouraged and motivated you in your quest to become a stronger disciple. If you have a prayer request or would like information on how to purchase additional recordings, please call the Church Administrative Office at 732-938-7500. Again, that number is 732-938-7500. You may also reach us via social media. Friend us on Facebook at Christ Church Howell. Follow us on Twitter at CCHowellNJ. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Christ Church How NJ or visit our webpage at www.ChristChurchNJ.com. We invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship service as we endeavor to change the world by transforming people of all races and cultures into passionate followers of Jesus Christ.